Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi everyone, Ashley here. I wanted to let you know that this week I'm re-releasing one of my favorite shows from 2013. It stars two guests, one's nearer the beginning of her career and the other is well-seasoned and insists she'll be working into her 70s. In this one, we talk about the world of journalism, we talk about how subtle discrimination can be at work, and we also talk about various flavours of female guilt and how to say no nicely. I should say that since this show was released, Jessica Bennett no longer works full-time for Lean In. She's still a contributing editor there, and she's been publishing pieces in the New York Times and on Time.com. She actually had a really interesting piece in the New York Times recently about Monica Lewinsky. Heather McGregor still runs her headhunting business in London, and she still writes for the Financial Times. Here's the show. Welcome to The Broad Experience, the show about women, the workplace, and success. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. This time on the show, two perspectives on getting ahead at work. The first comes from a Generation Y journalist who thought she was doing all the right things, only to realize subtle and complicated factors can get in the way of career progress. We had never experienced anything that we thought to be remotely gender discrimination, and so we couldn't even identify it when we saw it. Then I talked to a seasoned business owner and Financial Times columnist who has firm views on how to thrive at work, including learning how to say no and getting rid of guilt. So every time you say yes to something, you are saying no to something else. And therefore, saying yes to everything is only going to get you into hot water. You know, you're going to end up not doing the things that matter if you're not careful. Coming up on The Broad Experience. Jessica Bennett has already had a career a lot of young journalists would envy. She's written for many publications over the years and worked as a writer and editor for Newsweek for seven years before the magazine eventually folded. She then moved on to be executive editor at microblogging site Tumblr. Now she's editorial director at Facebook COO and best-selling author Sheryl Sandberg's leanin.org. When we met, I told her I'd noticed her own Tumblr site bears the title Good Girls Finish Last. She had to go back a bit to explain how she came to that conclusion. I grew up in Seattle, which is like this heaven uh, of a place where everyone is equal and we had a female governor and um, I never, I went to public school. I never really thought about gender issues because the women outpaced the men in every way imaginable. So went to college, moved to New York, got my first full-time staff job at Newsweek, um, assumed that I would just keep excelling the way that I always had. You know, I was kind of one of those typical overachiever young women. Um, so I was at Newsweek for a few years and it just felt like I wasn't getting credit that I wanted to be getting and I wasn't getting published as much as I wanted to be getting published. And I started as an intern and worked my way up, and along the way, I saw a lot of male interns um, get hired 
faster than than I had. Um, I was a temp at Newsweek for a full year, and every three months I would have to re-up my, my temp time, and my ID access card would stop working. And there was a point where I think for a week I was actually unemployed before they could bring me back on as a temp again. But while all of that was happening, men who were my age and you know equally skilled got hired on staff. So why, why did I feel like I was still on a tryout? In addition to all this, she says the arrival of a basketball hoop in the newsroom contributed to a bit of a frat boy atmosphere. Again, nothing terrible was happening. No one was making sexist comments or openly denigrating anyone's work. But she couldn't help feeling things were just off. So I I started talking with some friends about this and... It turned out everyone felt the same way. All of the young women around the office had noticed this, and none of us were quite sure what it was or what to call it or how to identify it because we were all raised of the generation to think that we were equal. We had never experienced anything that we thought to be remotely gender discrimination, and so we couldn't even identify it when we saw it. And this wasn't blatant discrimination. This was kind of subtle cultural things that you couldn't really put your finger on, but we just had this feeling that something wasn't quite right. Then Jess and her colleagues made a discovery. They found out that 40 years earlier, a previous cohort of Newsweek women had sued the magazine for gender discrimination. If you've been a long-time listener to the show, you'll have heard about this in episode 8. In that show, I talked to journalist Lynn Povich, who was one of those Newsweek women, about how the case changed her and changed things for women in the media. Inspired by finding out about that case, Jessica and two colleagues ended up writing an article for Newsweek called Are We There Yet?, in which they talked about that 1970 case, but also raised some of the issues they'd been grappling with at work. How much had really changed in 40 years? The piece became quite a talking point in the media, and the women hoped it might drive change at the publication. But the kind of change that came wasn't quite what they'd been hoping for. Because while all this was going on, the world of journalism was getting ever shakier. So ultimately, the magazine got put up for sale. It was like six months, I can't remember how long, but of hell. (laughs) Um, Every day we'd go to work, we didn't know if we would have jobs the next day. People were like, had whiskey under their desks, more so than usual. Um, And then ultimately, it was announced that Tina Brown was taking over. And this was really exciting. You know, she's an icon in, in magazine journalism. She's a woman. And... And so I stayed on. So I stayed on for about a year. Even though more female bylines appeared under Brown's leadership, Jessica says the bigger problem was that Newsweek was failing, like plenty of other magazines and newspapers. Newsweek stopped printing in 2012. Jessica moved on to work for Tumblr, but the world of experimental journalism is no more secure than that of traditional journalism. That job ended after a year. Now she's working at Lean In. I asked her what she'd learned in her rocky decade or so in the workplace and if she had any tips that might be helpful for other people. She says she's gone from shy to direct in the course of her career. Still, she often calls up the image of a friend when she really wants to get something done. I have this friend, Adam, uh, who I shared a wall with in our offices at Newsweek for a number of years. And he just was always one of the most badass editors and would always ask for what he wanted and could always make a case for anything and could basically convince anyone of anything. Um, So sometimes I ask myself, what would Adam do Um, when I'm going into a meeting or I want to ask for a raise? Um, 
And I, and I literally think about what he would do because he's like the direct version of me, the even more direct version of me. He, of course, doesn't need to worry about being deemed too aggressive. Um, you know, there's a fine line for women when asking for things, but kind of taking myself out of myself sometimes and thinking about what another person would do in my situation, I think helps. Any other advice? I mean, as far as journalism these days, uh, you know, my, I guess my biggest tip is you kind of have to create your own job. There's just not jobs out there like there used to be. I don't. And then you have to work out how to get paid for it. Exactly. In my case. Yes. And. Entrepreneurial journalism is all very well. If you, right. If there's a business model, if there's. Totally. Totally. And, you know, I, I was at Newsweek for seven years. That's probably the longest I'll be at any job. It's like the opposite of my parents' career tra- trajectory, which is you start jumping around at different jobs and then you find the right one and you stay there for years. Now it's like I got in on the end of this golden era of journalism. Like the I was on the sinking ship. I stayed there for seven years. Now now it's pretty much sunk. And now you have to just jump around from thing to thing trying to figure out what the next innovation is going to be or how you can possibly use these skills and kind of mold them into something else. She says journalists shouldn't be afraid to pitch a job either. That's actually what she did with her current job at Lean In. When she interviewed, there was no editorial position. She pitched the idea, they said yes, and gave her the job. Talking of skills, I asked her if she knew how to code, something everyone's being encouraged to learn these days. She does, to a certain level, and she knows how to do quite a lot with video too. That's from years at Newsweek and just jumping in on different things and I think identifying early at a place where a lot of people didn't ever identify this, that 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 was going to be important and that if I wanted to grow, I needed to have well-rounded skills because nobody just wants a writer anymore. They want someone who can do everything. Jessica Bennett, currently doing If Not Everything, Then Most Things on the editorial side at leanin.org. And I should say, in the interest of full disclosure, that since I interviewed Jessica during the summer, Lean In has been posting some of the content from the broad experience. Next, we hear from someone in the UK who's at a later stage of her career, though she says she expects to work into her 70s. Some of you will remember Heather McGregor from previous shows. She masquerades as Mrs. Moneypenny in her weekly column in the Financial Times. She has her own business, she's married, she has three sons, and she's the author of a book called Mrs. Moneypenny's Career Advice for Ambitious Women. Oh, and she has a distinct point of view on what holds women back at work. Take guilt. Yes, I don't do guilt. Well, I find all these energies and emotions take up a lot of uh, of energy. You know, I mean, if you feel guilty about something, it can just weigh over you like a cloud. You can go around just beating yourself or eats at your self-confidence. You just feel terrible all the time. And that drains you of energy to do anything useful or to move forward in your life. So, you know, if you've done something that you regret, say sorry. If it's not possible to say sorry or put it right, you just have to leave it behind and move on. We all make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. 
Now, my guest on the last show, Jodie Detjen, has strong feelings about guilt too. And I think she's right to say that guilt comes when women think we're breaking a rule. We feel guilty because we've internalised the assumption that we should be nice to everyone all the time or we should be spending all our time with our children. So one of the ways to ditch guilt is to question those age-old assumptions that underlie your thinking about your role as a female. Heather McGregor says there are various types of guilt women tend to get hung up on. One of the most common is guilt at saying no to a request. You asked to make the cake sale for something or uh, you're asked to do something. You're asked to take a table at a charity gala dinner. You're asked to give somebody some one-on-one careers advice, which is the kind of thing I get asked all the time. First of all, acknowledge that you can't be everywhere. If you try and be everywhere, all that will happen is you will be average at everything and no one person will get your proper attention. So I've just, for instance, come from um, an email from a pretty famous television presenter in this country who's a woman asking me if she could meet me for one-on-one advice, having read my book. And she wants to uh, become the non-executive director of a public company. And she's heard that I know how to go about this, and so she wants my personal advice. Okay, this this will be an hour of my time. I will not be able to charge for it. And to be honest, I don't think I will advance, I might make her feel better, but I won't be able to specifically do anything to assist her because I don't run a a search company that does board positions and I don't influence chairmen about who they appoint either. That's not what I do. I encourage and support women as they're going about trying to get these jobs, but I don't actually make any difference as to whether they succeed or not. And, And all my best advice is in the book. She has an hour with me. All that she will hear is what's in the book all over again. So... I've said, I've written back to her and said I won't see her. Um, but, I, but in writing back and saying I won't see her, I have offered her three specific suggestions of things she could do to help herself. So when you say no to something, no, I can't make the bake sale, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I will donate, you know, $15 towards the cake ingredients. Try and say no in a positive fashion. It will make you feel a lot less guilty. But there have been occasions when she's fallen into the guilt trap. She'd been writing her FT column, which often deals with being a full-time working mother, for about a year when she got a warning note from a reader. My oldest son at the time, who is now 23, so he was only about 12 years old. And the reader wrote in and said, you know, I used to be like you. I used to put my career first. My, My son still did all right and he went to Cambridge. And then he had a nervous breakdown and I realized that it was all my fault. And in therapy, her son had said that he blamed his mother for going out to work um, to, for his feelings about himself. And so she said, well, you'll be like me, you know, if you, you'll end up like me with a son with a nervous breakdown. So I rang, um, my son was actually on a school break at the time, a midterm break, and I knew where he was. He was with my sister and they were going to the cinema. So I rang my sister on her cell phone and, and spoke to my son And I said to him, where was he? He said he was in the cinema foyer. And I said I would come immediately to the cinema and join them for the show. And he said, why? And I said, because I have had a reader write and say, if I don't spend more time with you, you'll have a nervous breakdown. And he said, mum, if you come to the cinema right now, I will have a nervous breakdown. Uh, It's not what he's used to. He's not used to me coming to cinema with him in the middle of the afternoon. He thought he was having a perfectly nice afternoon with his aunt. And that is what his expectations were managed to. So I think it's all about what you manage your expectations to. 
Heather does a lot of expectation managing with her family, but she's always open, she says, about the reason why she can't do something or be somewhere, which helps keep everyone on the same page. So I believe in in that full explanation, actually, particularly the concept of opportunity cost. So every time you say yes to something, you are saying no to something else. And therefore, saying yes to everything is only going to get you into hot water. You know, you're going to end up not doing the things that matter if you're not careful. And this is where people get so spent because they do, you know, in general, women do say yes to too much and then they're exhausted and they're doing things at one in the morning before yes. they have at six in the morning. Yes. And then eventually what will happen is they will all just collapse in a heap and then nobody is any better off. And then people say, well, it's very selfish to be thinking of myself. I should be thinking of my children. I should be doing all these things for everybody all night long. Um, and actually, no, you should be looking after yourself. And if that sounds selfish, think of this. When we're all on aeroplanes and they go through the emergency they say in the event of emergency oxygen will fall from the box above you and what do they say then they say in the first instance put on your own oxygen and then turn to help the person next to you even if that's your child because if you are healthy and breathing and okay you are going to be in a much better place to help the the minor person or the, the child next to you. So if your career is going well, if, if you are doing well, if you are earning good money, if you're able to provide for your family, your family will be better off. Talking of family, she's hardly the first female professional to have been criticised for not being at home enough. The truth is, parenting is an individual decision. Some people want to stay at home and will stay at home, and that is their choice, and I really respect it. And I personally would struggle with that, but that's a very personal decision. But I see far too many women who make that ultimate sacrifice, and then 20 years later are in my office saying, oh my goodness, my children have left home, I have no qualifications and no relevant work experience, and my husband may or may not have left as well, and I'm now on my own and I have no way of earning a living. Well, you know what? You had 20 years to plan for that. I've got no sympathy. To make it easier to work and parent at the same time, she insists women need to ask for help and build up a group of people around them who are always willing to chip in in an emergency. I told her about one of my friends and listeners who lives in Westchester County, New York. She told me she started trying to create the kind of community she wants, offering to babysit someone's kid if she knows the mother, and it usually is the mother, is very busy. She says she's doing this because she wants that same network to be there for her when she needs it. She feels few women do this kind of thing anymore. We're too busy trying to do everything on our own. Well, she's absolutely bang on the money. Uh, so whoever you are in Westchester County, you keep going. That's exactly what you need to do. If you are not helping other people, you are not building a team. You, know, you are not building a, a sustainable community around you. You need to help other people. You may never need to call back in the favour, but that doesn't matter. And the favour may not be the same thing, i.e. you may watch somebody else's children, but you may not have any children of your own, or your children will be older, so you may never need anyone to watch your children. But you know what? At some point, you may need to go away for three days unexpectedly and need someone to feed the cat. So she says always help out without necessarily expecting a return, but see it as building a network you can rely on when your job threatens to mess up your life. That's the broad experience for this time. If you like what you hear on this show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. This helps the show's chances of getting discovered by new listeners. You can also kick in a few bucks to support what I'm doing by going to the support tab at thebroadexperience.com. 
I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.